0: So I think maybe up to this point, Moses was just clicking along with the Lord saying, this is great. You're going to do all this for the children of Israel. I can't wait until they come out. But then verse 10, that come now, therefore, I'm going to send you. So wait, what? You're sending me? I'm the one that has to go down. Remember, Lord, I tried that 40 years earlier. It didn't work out so well to me. That's why I spent the last 40 years here in the wilderness what surprised Moses was that the Lord was going to use him as an instrument of his deliverance
1: now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: All you gotta do is let go and let Alright, it's uh, graduation day in Exodus chapter three for Moses. He's gonna have his burning bush moment with the Lord and we're going to find that he is a very reluctant servant of God there in the beginning and so this in a sense should give us a little bit of hope so I don't know if everyone has surrendered to the Lord quickly perfectly without any complaints any questions Uh, definitely we find Moses had a few questions for the Lord even when the Lord would give him answers and show him signs he still ultimately said send someone else but God wasn't going to give up on him so easily and nor does the Lord give up on us and I'm so thankful for that so let's go ahead and get into our study we're looking at Exodus chapters 3 and 4 tonight and we're going to begin here in chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 the burning bush why the bush does not burn at this point moses is 80 years old he had been roaming around this desert for the last 40 years serving his father-in-law jethro and while herding his father-in-law's sheep moses came to as scripture describes it the back of the desert there to the mountain of god and he saw this bush that was burning and as he saw the burning bush He also realized that the bush itself was not being consumed. For Moses, as I said, this was graduation day. It was time for the Lord to call him to the ministry that he had always planned for him from before the day of his birth. And there on the mountain where the bush burned, that mountain being as described to us Horeb, the mountain of God, this is where Moses would return and receive from the Lord the 10 commandments. It was also where God would instruct him to strike the rock that the children of Israel would receive water. The first time he would strike that rock, it tells us in Exodus 17:6, "Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock and the water will come out of it that my people may drink and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel at that time God had not only provided Israel water of which they thirst for there was also a beautiful typology of Jesus Christ where Paul teaches us in first Corinthians ten four that that rock that followed them around in the wilderness that rock was Christ, who had been smitten by God in order that the living water of the Holy Spirit might pour forth from his life into our hearts. So Horeb, it may not have been a very significant place for Moses up to this point, but it would become a significant place for Moses and the children of Israel from this time forward. But Horeb was also the place where the children of Israel would forsake the Lord to worship a golden calf. And by doing so, according to Romans 1, 22 and verse 24, they changed the glory of God into the image of the corruptible man. Like birds or four-footed animals, creeping things, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshipped and served a creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. And this was because in Psalm 106, 21 and 22, the psalmist tells us that they had forgotten God their Savior who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. So we will hear of Horeb, the mountain of God, further along as we get into the account of the Exodus, here in the book of Exodus. But right now Moses is there on the mountain. He looked upon the bush. He noticed that it was, although it was burning, it was not being consumed. The Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord was presiding in the flames itself. And this amazing sight, Moses seeing this decided to take a closer look not understanding exactly what his eyes at that moment were actually gazing upon stephen spoke of this in Acts 7 verses 30 and 31 where he said and when 40 years had passed the angel of the lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in the bush in the wilderness of mount sinai when moses saw it he marveled at the sight and as he drew near To observe, he heard the voice of the Lord come to him. We must realize that God will use both the natural and the supernatural, whichever he deems necessary, to get our attention. For some of us, it could be simply the natural processes in this life that will draw us to Christ. For others, God might have to combine the natural and the supernatural to get our attention among the many things that god used in my life my burning bush moment came in the reading of a single verse of scripture in fact it's not even the whole verse when one sunday morning my eyes fell upon romans 10 14 the portion of the verse that asked this question and how shall they hear without a preacher And at the moment of reading that verse that I'd already previously underlined in my Bible, I knew for the first time God was asking me to preach his word. He was calling me to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can all have those moments in our lives. It may not be a physical burning bush, or God could do so again. But God often will use both natural and supernatural circumstances Again, whatever he deems necessary to get our attention, to draw us into his will. So as Moses went to take a closer look at this amazing thing that he had seen, it tells us as he drew near in verses 4 through 6, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And God said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals, off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And moreover, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. We notice the angel of the Lord stood in the midst of the fiery bernie bush the angel of the lord often called a christophany in the old testament which talks about a pre-bethlehem appearance of jesus christ in the old testament jesus was there calling out to moses telling him to take off his shoes because he stood on holy ground and what made that ground holy was the presence of the lord But also he reminded him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And I think this is important that the Lord using the history of the Israeli people at that point. And remember Moses, uh, he had been, although born into the house of Levi, he had very shortly after that, been adopted and raised as a prince in Egypt, and 40 years later then fled from Egypt, spent the last 40 years in the wilderness, and we'll learn in chapter 4 that he didn't even follow the commandments of God up to that point, and the commandments of God were not very many at this time upon the children of Israel. And yet God still reminded him who he was and to whom he belonged, that he was part of the children of Abraham, and that God himself was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It reminded us on Sunday that we each have a distinct role to fulfill in the kingdom of God, and the important thing is our surrender to the Lord. The important thing, as I said on Sunday, every Christian should learn the words of Mary there in Luke 1.38, who said, be, let it be unto me according to your words. She began by saying, behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be unto me according to your words. For Moses, and like many of us, it took him a while to surrender to God's will upon his life, as we shall see. And so it was, verses 7 through 8, As God continues, he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry and because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. So once again, the word that God had given to Abraham that had been passed on to Isaac and that was passed on from Isaac to Jacob and then from Jacob to his 12 sons and ultimately to Moses himself. The Lord is reminding him to whom he belonged that I am the Lord. I love this. He said, I have surely seen, I have heard their cry, I know their sorrow, I have come down to deliver them and bring them up. God had a plan, and it was time for him to enact that plan for the children of Israel. God laid out his plan of redemption, that the children of Israel would not only be brought out of the land of Egypt, but brought into the promised land, the land that God had promised Abraham many years before in genesis 15 18 through 21 genesis 15 18 through 21 on the same day that the lord made a covenant with abram saying to your descendants i have given this land and from the river of egypt to the great river to the euphrates the kenites the kenzites the Catamites, the hittites the Parasites, the Refereen, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gershites, and the Jebusites. Too many sites for me. But God promised this very land to Abraham. In that same setting, he told Abraham that his descendants would be in a foreign land for 400 years. And after the 400 years, they would be brought up back to this land, that the Lord would make them a great nation there, and now was the time. In verse 9 and 10, we continue, the word of God tells us, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. I've seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring up my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So I think maybe up to this point, Moses was just clicking along with the Lord saying, this is great. You're going to do all this for the children of Israel. I can't wait until they come out. But then verse 10, that come now, therefore, I'm going to send you. So wait, what? You're sending me? I'm the one that has to go down. Remember, Lord, I tried that 40 years earlier. It didn't work out so well to me. That's why I spent the last 40 years here in the wilderness. And so perhaps it didn't surprise Moses that God would deliver Israel from their bondage because God had promised Abraham that he would do so and confirmed that promise to Isaac and to Jacob and Jacob confirmed that promise to his 12 sons. What surprised Moses was that the Lord was going to use him as an instrument of his deliverance. And so it was, verses 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go up to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. God speaking now. I will certainly be with you, and this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. I love that because I don't know if that sign that he gave to Moses was too reassuring at that point. The sign was once you go down to Egypt, deal with Pharaoh, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, get back here to Horeb, and when you see the children of Israel worshiping God on the mountain of Horeb, that's your sign. Go get the job done, get them back over here, and then you'll know that I sent you. It's like, Lord, can you give me a different sign than that? I mean, that's like a lot of work between here and there and back again. But that was the sign. This let Moses know. Also, he said, I will certainly be with you. Moses was not going to go it alone. This being the servant of the most high God sometimes we feel the Lord speak to us put a call upon our heart and sometimes we feel like the answer to that call might be a distance away I described it like this a few times in my own call in my own life when I read that verse of Scripture from Romans 10 14 and how shall they hear without a preacher I've described it this way a few times and this was only years later that I was able to kind of put all this together for my own life is that that Sunday morning when the Lord gave me that verse, applied it to my own heart, and that same Sunday morning when I surrendered to the ministry there at a church in Libertyville, it was as if God showed me in the course, the path of my life on a very distant mountain. I said last week it was 11 years From the time of the call until I became the pastor of this church, 11 years would go by. So I was able to see, 11 years out, the destination. But what I could not see at that moment was all the valleys and the hills and the struggles that would be from here to there. Yet the Lord commissions us. He also promises, just like God promised Moses, I will certainly be with you. When the Lord commissioned us in Matthew 28:19 and 20, saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. When God calls, he doesn't set us out on our own. He goes with us. Lo, I'm with you always. And I love God's response to Moses. That sign would be the accomplishment of Israel's deliverance. God was calling Moses to take a long journey, a journey of faith that would take Moses from Horeb to Egypt and back again to Horeb. But Moses, we discover, needed a little more convincing. And this is often true for many of us. When the Lord calls us to serve him in John 21 18 and 19 when the Lord spoke about John Peter kind of wondering what his role would be in ministry the Lord responded to Peter saying most assuredly I say to you when you were younger you girded yourself you walked where you wished And when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And John makes commentary of this saying, he spoke this signifying what death Peter would glorify God. When he had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. That's quite a call. Hey, Peter. Yeah, Lord. Lord. You know, when you're young, where you used to just go fishing whenever you wanted to go down to the Sea of Galilee, have fun with your friends and do whatever you want. Yeah, that was that was great, Lord. I love those days. Yeah, well, when you're older, you're going to be led where you do not want to go. You're going to stretch out your hands, signifying his death upon the cross. And yet the Lord still said to Peter, follow me. And amazingly, Peter followed Yeah, we learn historically that when he died, he did not want to die as his Lord. So he asked that his cross be put in the ground upside down. And that follow me, it speaks about a life of surrender. And Jesus is still calling those to follow him. In verses 13 and 14, We continue on in Exodus 3. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So he asked the name, what is his name? And this is the name of God. Here it's not the common Yahweh, the YHWH that we're familiar with, that is either pronounced for us Yahweh or Jehovah. This is the Lord saying, I am that I am a statement of declaration of just divine control of all things. I like how G. Campbell Morgan put this when he said, the name reveals the fact that God's ability to become to his people whatever their need demanded. I am that I am. And we also know that the Lord Jesus picked up on this when he ministered upon this earth with the two Greek words, ego and me, when Jesus said, it, "Most assuredly, in John eight fifty eight, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am." Ego and me. Jesus, with those words, equated himself to Yahweh, to God the Father, to this very passage of Scripture in Exodus three fourteen. So much so, in John chapter eight, it tells us when the Jews heard this, they picked up stones to stone him because he equated himself with God. They understood what Jesus meant when he said those words. So after his calling, God gave Moses the message that he would speak to Israel. And God normally does that. He doesn't send us out without words to speak, without a work to do, uh, without a ministry. It may take time to learn, to grow, to Develop, but God promises to go with us, and Lord, may it be said of us, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. May that be our heart's cry this evening, we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. Pray that God will bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless.